I'm Michael Malley, and this is The Mindful Storyteller, where the subject always is stories. Storytelling, story reading, story listening, mindfulness, and the creation of the story space. Hello again. Welcome back. Another episode of The Mindful Storyteller. And I am Michael R. Malley. And I'm Ollie Wren Erickson Malley. And today we'll be sharing a little bit about the magic and imagination associated with storytelling. And uh, we'll begin with a quote from the Irish poet William Butler Yeats. And of course, we'll have the Mindfulness Bell, an invitation to be present and enjoy presence and enjoy the sound of the bell. Let us go forth, the tellers of tales, and seize whatever prey the heart long for, and have no fear. Everything exists, everything is true, and the earth is only a little dust under our feet. William Butler Yeats, The Celtic Twilight, page 7. Storytelling is an act of fearlessness. To bring story to life is to see beyond the barriers of the so-called agreed-upon reality. You invite listeners to fly above the limited evidences of their five basic senses. You inspire them to trust some subtler sense. Their eyes are not really seeing your Aunt Mabel as you speak of her. Their noses cannot really smell that fish that you describe frying in the pan. And if your tales move in the direction of vast possibility, your bravery must be robust. There can be no fear in you if you intend to build dragons out of words, to make the listeners squint as they see that scaly beast from a distance, to make their faces contort in disgust as they inhale the toxic rot of the dragon's breath. Everything exists. Everything is true. In a world that so privileges the measurable, it is the storyteller's absurd and virtuous job to elevate and prioritize the boundless. One can attempt to fake it. I don't really believe what I'm saying to you, but I'm saying it anyway. 
Well, I'm going to play that buffoon, half-heartedly attempt to entertain the kids for a few minutes, and then cynically laugh at the droit buffoonery that you played for the crowd. This may or may not be entertaining, but it is not storytelling. Storytelling asks more of the teller. It calls for an entering into story. It may be a memory of fried fish with Aunt Mabel, or it may be a tale of dragons built by you or others in the deep wells of imagination. It may require an embrace of a faith in fairies. Whatever the tale, the teller, if they truly hope to be a storyteller, must enter into the story. The storyteller must cross the threshold. The teller must enter into the tale. So, back in, what was the last year that you and I taught together, Ollie? 1994. So, the 1993-94 school year. Mm -hmm. um, I, had, uh, I had just come to Ollie's school. It was the third school I had taught at in Columbus Public Schools. Um, and uh, we met there. And pretty soon, it was a rough school year, and pretty soon I knew that that was going to be my last year. And um, while committing to finish out that academic year, I wanted to think about what was, what was my next bit of work? What was I um, going to do? But also, in my thinking, what was I here to do? And a uh, wonderful book by Lawrence Bolt, Zen and the Art of Making a Living. Big Thick sucker, still laying around the house somewhere here. Um, I began to work with that book and uh, think about what work I would be doing next. And one of the things that came up was my love of stories and storytelling. I did a lot with storytelling in the classroom. I taught first through fourth grades. Um, sometimes I had students tell stories. Sometimes I was a storyteller. I also enjoyed reading aloud to students. Um, and so I, I, I began to contemplate this as, as, as work. Um, what would it be like to be a professional storyteller, to go around and share stories, to tell tales? And I began to list why I would want to do that and to think about why. And, and, and all those educational reasons were there, you know, to, um, um, to inspire students as, uh, as readers, to encourage them as writers. Um, but there was also that element of imagination and possibility. Um, there was a theologian in the late 1800s, early 1900s, by the name of Jenkin Lloyd-Jones. Um, he was very instrumental in the first Parliament of World Religions that was at the Chicago World's Fair, I think, in 1892. And for him, when he spoke of 
theology and spirituality and religion, what he spoke of as, he spoke of the embrace of vastness. To not, to not place limits on possibility. Mm. And one of the things that I have try to lean into in all my life is is that you know we're here in you know middle America late 20th early 21st century very reasonable very logical ways of thinking but that ain't the only game in town if we look at the way people have thought in various cultures, across various times, there's been a vast array of ways of um, understanding. Um, to a, way, a way of knowing is called uh, an epistemology, ways of knowing the world. Um, in a book, Irish Earth Folk, uh, written by a fellow, I think his name was German McManus, he said, even in the 1950s, over half of the people in Ireland believed in the fairies. He said, you, you, would, you, you probably couldn't get most of them to tell you that because they knew they would be mocked or made fun of. Um, and I love, you know, William Butler Yeats, you know, respected Irish poet and writer, who had this great embrace of the fairy faith and this embrace of what the Irish call the she. You've probably heard of the banshee. Um, and I think I want to live in a world where where vastness is honored, where, where we're not overly sure, arrogantly confident that our way of knowing is the only way. I want to live in a world where um, magic and possibility abound. Yeah, and I think that's that's. I think you do live there. <laughs> you do live there. Um, so one of the things I'm thinking with this, I mean, I don't tell stories on stage. I certainly sit around and tell family stories and other things. Is but one of the things that you've tried to do and we've tried to do here is to awaken in kids their imaginations. And our own kids and, and kids that we taught in school and the kids that we help homeschool um, and kids that have come to our camps and your workshops um, trying to awaken that imagination and we certainly do that through reading of stories and you telling of stories to kids and and kids have that imagination but one of the things that uh, we've done is having kids write 
uh, do writing workshops with us. And we, we did that when we were teachers back in the 90s. You've done that in schools. We've done that in um, workshops in our house. And we've had uh, homeschool groups here done that. And it is um, amazing what we've gotten kids to do in those, those times. Um, when we do these writing workshops, I mean, the, the point of them is just to get kids to get their ideas on paper. We don't focus at the beginning of spelling and punctuation. A lot of kids come to these really worried about getting stuff on paper. They might have these great imaginations. They can tell these stories, but to get them to write them down is sometimes a more difficult thing to do. The kids just have a hard time because they're worried about their spelling or their punctuation uh, or their handwriting. And so what we really focus on first is just, you just get it down. You keep that pencil moving. It's one of the things that you tell them that Ru Ruth Sawyer tells tells kids to do is to keep the pencil moving. Yeah, Natalie Goldberg. Oh, sorry, she's sorry, the, sorry she, not Ruth Sawyer. Natalie, Natalie Goldberg, Natalie Goldberg she's, sorry. she's the source for that, keep the okay. pencil moving. Yeah. Um, and so we've done these workshops and it, uh, is incredible. So the so we it's usually about an hour or so long that we um, we have this writing time. We do it with music. Uh, have the kids writing to music. We sometimes do a, a lesson beforehand, and then afterwards have the kids share what they've written. Mm, and there's yeah. just incredible creativity that has come out of this. Um, yeah, I, I think of. Uh, I, a phrase that's just popping into my head is, as you're talking, Ollie, is the imaginative potential. Like, what, again, kind of that, that vastness, what, what are the possibilities of what can be? And we have totally seen this with writing, right? With the mm -hmm. children's writing, um, you know, and I've sometimes experienced that with my own writing, and I've certainly experienced that in... In, in stories and storytelling, and um, you know, I I don't make any great claims to understand how this world works. But a lot of people say, "Oh gosh, you know, I just don't have the imagination. I don't have the imaginative potential, um, if you will." Do you have dreams? And I'm talking about dreams at night. Like, what kind of amazing, wild things? occur <laughs> in that space and that's occurring you know we can have a, a, a almost a, a spiritual or theological discussion is it you know many cultures have, have spoken of dreams as soul travel and that sort of thing but if we just think of it simply in terms of something occurring within you what's happening there i mean there is this vastness or this access to vastness and um I think we, uh, we do ourselves a disservice by, you know, you were talking about the punctuation, the grammar, that, that's all well and good, but it becomes the cart before the horse, right? I mean, we do ourselves a disservice by, by, by creating these constraints and these boxes that say, you can't go beyond here. And what happens, you know, I mean... Einstein and others spoke of the importance of imagination. What happens when that imaginative potential um, and when that potential for vastness begins to open up? Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking, I want you to quote the other Yeats um, 
quote that we about the fire that we always yes um, and, and I'm forgetting now if we know for sure that he said this or if this one's attributed to him I, I think I don't it's recall. attributed I think is it one of those ones that we can't you know we're not sure that he actually said it right, I'm, I'm not sure yeah. but um, um, this is a paraphrase of it and 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 you know, honoring my Irish ancestors and my time in Ireland, I have to always, whenever I say this, I have to say it with a bit of the brogue, but um, attributed to Yeats is something like this. Um, Education is not filling a bucket, but lighting a fire. And I think that that fire lighting. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've seen the light in the mm -hmm. eyes when I've told a dragon tale. Mm -hmm. I've seen it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's. Yeah. Well, we invite you all to open yourselves to your imaginative potentials. And I'll give a plug for uh, one of my favorite sections of the library, 398.2, that folk and fairy tale section, um, where stories of vastness abound. Whatever the subject matter of your story, practice going all the way into your tale. If it is a story appropriate for children, tell the tale to one or two kids. Allow their listening eyes to serve as catalysts for you, inspiring you to share from the heart as you dwell in the heart of the tale. Yes, let us go forth, tellers of tales. Seize whatever prey your heart longs for. Everything exists, everything is true, and the earth is only a little dust under our feet. This we know as storytellers. I'm Michael Malley, and you've been listening to the Mindful Storyteller.